Hello everybody and welcome to Cabaret Secrets. My name is Gary Williams and today I'm joined by the Associate Artistic Director of the St. James Studio and St. James Theatre, James Albrecht. Welcome to Cabaret Secrets. Hello Gary. Now tell me, what is an Artistic Director? Um, well, I suppose it's fairly unique um, uh, to each venue, but in this venue, um, there's two people with the, that sort of title. David Gilmore is the artistic director, I'm the associate artistic director, and between us, we program the main theatre at the St James and the St James Studio. I take the lead on the St James Studio, David takes the lead in the main house, but we share and compare notes on both. So the main theatre seats how many? 312 slightly dependent on the the stage configuration and whether that eats up any seats. So, for example, at the moment, Scenes from a Marriage is in there, directed by Trevor Nunn. The stage is a little bigger than usual, therefore the capacity is 286. But the room that we're interested in at Cabaret Secrets is this studio room. Tell me about that and what makes that so special, because there's a lot of buzz going around town now about the studio here. Actually, it is quite a special room, and maybe, you know, it's taken a few months to realise that we have something quite special. And if I were to try and uh, figure out what it is that makes it special, I, f I suppose there's a few things, really. I mean, just when you walk in, even when it was a building site, I have to say, there was a kind of audible gasp from people who walked through the door because they could see that it potentially was going to become something a bit unique. And that remains true now that it is a fully kitted-out room. Um, it, it, it is beautiful to look at without being overly pretentious, but it, it, it's, a, it's a nice warm room with wood panelling. It has uh, two levels, or even three actually, but two for ostensibly, a gallery level and, and the studio floor. Uh, it, it, it's of a scale and a size, I think, that make performers gush a little bit because they can sense the uh, immediacy that they will sort of experience with the audience, and it makes audiences gush a little bit for exactly the same reason. They kind of have this really up-close and personal uh, experience of watching performers do their thing then fairly quickly you also realise that the architects Foster Wilson uh, got the uh, the architecture and the acoustic right, it, it just everything in there sounds great, um, maybe that's a function of the high ceilings maybe it's a function of the wooden panelling, I'm not sure but certainly it, it, it really shows off artists to their best um, and I think also it's quite smart in a way that is welcoming without being too off-putting uh, and that isn't always the case with uh, rooms that one might compare it to in London I mean it depends a little bit on the genre cabaret I suppose is, is, a, is a genre that tends to happen in quite nice rooms but comedy less so and certainly when comedians walk in it's like oh wow you know <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and they don't ever get changed in the toilets yeah it, it, really I mean that, that, that's kind of kind of the point and then when you've kind of taken all of that in and you've actually experienced the room in action, um, you know, when there's a critical mass of people in there, which happily there usually is, uh, there is an amazing atmosphere. Uh, there's a bar in the room as well, so, you know, people can drink, uh, be comfortable and watch a great show. But I think, if I would say one other thing, for cabaret in particular, uh, another f uh, truism for many cabaret spaces is that they are coupled with a bar and a restaurant. Uh, there's Eating is often a, a part of the evening. It, it has to be said that um, I can see the attraction of that from the business side. Uh, there's no question that uh, to make a, a room of this size, which seats 100 and stands 20, 
an, an, an economic or financial viability, serving food would definitely help. But by, the, by virtue of us not serving food in any meaningful way, um, what you get is an audience that is completely focused on what's going on on stage. Um, and that's, that's kind of exciting. It is called the St. James Studio, which arguably is not necessarily the best thing it might have been called. It's a little confusing. I think most people in our business, when they think of a studio, they think of either a black box theatre um, or they think of a recording studio. Mm. Um, and it is neither of those things. So to that extent, that's a little bit misleading. In terms of what you will see in any given week, uh, only normally only about two days a week are devoted to cabaret. Um, oh. So Wednesdays are very often jazz. Thursdays are usually comedy. Fridays tend to be, I suppose, music that could be described as cabaret. It might be described as jazz. I mean, crossovery, I suppose, type nights. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays, for the most part, um, I'm supposed to leave available for uh, corporate hires and the like. Although I have to say that more often than not, I'm, I'm booking those as well now. And then from time to time we'll break that rapid pattern of you know, one-nighters with a, a slightly longer run as we did a couple of weeks ago with Opera Naked, which was, a, a, I suppose, an opera theatre piece, really, an opera theatre cabaret piece. Because unlike a lot of cabaret rooms, you can do something with production here, can't you? You've got some nice lighting, well, you can also video the shows you can record. We're sitting now doing this interview in a purpose-built broadcast booth where you can mix from live camera feeds in the studio. Yeah, I think that, that is a very important final point, really, that perhaps sets it apart. It, it was designed as a theatre, and it's got theatre equipment in it, and beyond that, it's the sort of it was designed as a 21st century theatre, so as you say, it's got digital equipment and as well and the ability to film and stream it and, and all that sort of thing which does mean that we can bring production values to a show even if it's a one-nighter that perhaps would be trickier elsewhere what is cabaret ah oh, you see you have been a <laughs> i just thought i'd lay that one on you there well it's i'm gonna make a cup of tea while you answer that i i'm i'm gonna sort of lay my cards on the table and say that i get slightly more and more not confused exactly but uh I suppose uncertain as to how to answer that because there is no doubt that it's a different thing to different people uh, both the word cabaret or the word jazz or even the word comedy up to point they, they are loaded or even toxic words at times that um, that encourage a degree of uh, entrenchment in people's minds that doesn't necessarily serve the, the term in the first place. So what is cabaret? Well, we've had cabaret nights here that, as you described earlier, could be American songbook-type cabaret, but equally we've had uh, what one might describe as variety or a more avant-garde-style cabaret. We've had cabaret that some might actually describe as comedy, and we've had comedy uh, that some might describe as cabaret. Uh, on Thursday last week we had Tina C doing his drag country and western singer that you know, it was on a comedy night, it was funny, but it could clearly have been called cabaret. Uh, so, uh, you Is know... Is it a term you try and avoid using then? Because it's confusing for the people that are coming to uh, watch the performances here. I don't think... It's impossible to avoid using it, really, because, first of all, when you do as many different things in the week as we do, um, it's, it's quite important to give your potential or indeed your loyal audience a vague notion of what it is they're going to come and see so so what does cabaret mean if you're saying put it in your in, in the section of cabaret mm. what would you put in there cabaret in that broad sense usually entails uh, a performer or, or, or more 
singing songs that they that may be from a, a staple of classic American songbook or or elsewhere, where the format of the night will mean that they will no doubt be breaching the fourth wall and connecting with the audience in a way that, for me at least, means that the songs are important, but so are the links. Mm. The the way that they either link the songs in terms of a narrative or sometimes just through the force of their own personality, the way they smash through that fourth wall, bring the audience right practically onto the stage with them. And it is entertainment that is entirely open to and for everyone in that room. It's not, I think for me, a case of people sitting back and watching someone do something for themselves on the stage. Mm. And the room's quite important. It's it's an integral part of that, isn't it? Because the smaller and more intimate the room is, the easier it is to break the fourth wall and to develop an eye-to-eye contact with everybody in the room and to make all of them feel as though they're really part of what's going on. Very much so, absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's... You have to, I think, for the, when if you're going to call something cabaret, you have to find every corner of the room, and in, in our case, the gallery, and and make them all a part of the evening, without a doubt. It seems in jazz, in the jazz world, that cabaret is something of a dirty word. That, that you know, it just almost seems a bit sort of comes with cheesy connotations. Mm-hmm. It almost seems. I know people where. You know, they sort of turn their noses up a bit that, that, that any performer who actually does try to connect with the audience or tells a joke or, uh, you know, even smiles at the audience. It almost seems anything that detracts from just the music alone, it, they, they dismiss it. They think that it's uh, somehow uh, bad in, in some way. Have you, uh, do, you, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I need to obviously tread carefully here because we do do jazz. Um, but you do identify a fairly interesting point. But it, it wouldn't say it's just jazz musicians either. It's, 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 it can very often be that, that kind of jazz audience. Um, mm. They come to listen to music, and actually they almost don't appreciate uh, anything that will interrupt their enjoyment of music. They don't like to drink, they don't like to eat, they don't like anybody else to do those things either, because it's really all about the music. Um, and that's, you know, that's... That's great, isn't it's it? Great. For them. It's, it's, well, it's, it's great. It's great to have that kind of you know passion. That the, the struggle, I suppose, that a venue has with uh, is that you know we we all want the same thing, which is to put on great music, uh, whether it's called cabaret or jazz. But we want to be able to keep doing it, and therefore um, it, it is a li- it, it, it is a little trickier when 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 there's that focus on. So, so, so uniquely on, on, on music that nothing else that the building has to offer is able to kind of play a part. And musicians themselves, for sure. I mean, it's true that some jazz musicians um, do, uh, I think, partly with the nature of that, that style of jazz, where they're, they're feeding it off each other, they can get lost in that, that world of creating something in the spur of the moment, which can be very exciting, mm. but it's completely different to cabaret. Mm. And it is also true that sometimes, therefore, those different camps can be a little bit snooty about each other, uh, mm. up to a point, mm. and, and, uh, and what they're offering. Mm. We've actually, in, our, in the way we promote what's going on in the studio, we've, we, we, at the beginning, did categorise it very clearly by colour codes in, in the brochure, in the programme, you know, what was jazz, what was cabaret, what was music, what was classical music and at the, the very beginning perhaps that was important because it, we were completely new and so our audience so again it was about informing them about what they might see mm. now everything bar cabaret is music so whatever kind of music we have, right. it's music um, and uh, 
and actually that, that's been done with the support of most jazz musicians as well because I think they also are conscious of this, this conundrum that jazz, if, if cabaret can sometimes be a, a confusing or toxic term then jazz really can be uh, and you know it, it's a shame because I don't know I've seen now a lot of all of them particularly here and uh, in, in their own way whilst the, the format and the formula of the evening is often very different the ability to go out and have a good time seeing something that you perhaps knew very little about is completely there with all of these genres. Is it hard to find good cabaret artists to perform here? Actually, I, I, I suppose I'm quite pleasantly surprised by how much good cabaret there is out there, if we're talking about cabaret in, in that broad sense mm. of the term that we've just described. I, I think there's actually a lot of really great cabaret in there. It's not always going to be accessible or, or pleasing to to the broadest audience uh, it's not always depending on the style of cabaret going to be the easiest sell there is a I suppose a, a, as we learn more about who our audience is a growing sort of sense of what uh, would work in that room not just from the architecture of the room but in terms of our audience uh, and it's also true that because I think cabaret maybe is going through a bit of a revival at the moment um, for a number of reasons, there are more people turning their hands to cabaret for the first time, which is really exciting, but it's also true that just because you can sing really well or because you happen to be, you know, have, have a bit of a profile in, in West End musicals doesn't necessarily mean that you can instantly go and perform a fantastic cabaret. What are the issues that you see where, where people need to work harder to improve the cabaret performances? Uh, I think the main one really is this notion that singing songs well in a cabaret-style room uh, with a, a pianist MD maybe in a double bass makes cabaret. Uh, on its own. I, I don't think it does and in fact what's been interesting to me is that I would say that whilst it certainly is desirable that a cabaret performer can sing and ideally quite well uh, <laughs> it is also true that you can have a really quite exciting cabaret night with a performer who is only average on the singing uh, It's very true isn't it? Uh, Elaine Stritch comes to mind who I saw at the Shaw uh, Theatre do the Liberty show and she was it was a sensational show but she was well past her best vocally, but it didn't matter because what she said, her anecdotes, the stories, the personality just made up for anything. I, I, I completely agree. And it actually... I'm beginning to think that that is almost more important than that, that, that ability to kind of tell a story, have a narrative, create your evening, give your evening a shape, whatever it might be. And ideally it isn't just here are the songs that I sang through my career, um, although clearly that will often be part of an evening for certain types of cabaret, but just giving it some kind of a structure and enabling an audience to uh, to enjoy that journey uh, is kind of more important than the ability to hit every note. You, you mean like a beginning, a middle, and an end, like a show, almost like a, a like a, a, any kind of West End show might have that there's a shape and a journey that we're, we're being taken through. You you would hope to see the same sort of shape in a in a small cabaret show yes i think so i mean again i'm i come from a theater background so i wouldn't want necessarily to be totally prescriptive about that i think mm. you can break the rules and and have different shapes mm. <laughs> but uh, but certainly to have some form of structure
structure, some form of narrative, some kind of journey, uh, and, and and a hook essentially on which uh, you want to hang this particular selection of songs. I mean, why why are you singing those songs? Why are they important to you? Why are they going to be important to us? Something I, I see that bothers me is when there's this sort of agonising you know, eight seconds between songs or something where nothing's happening or... Uh, and something else that drives me mad is when people, a cabaret performer, actually needs a running order in front of them because they can't remember what's coming next. Or a, even a book on stage. Oh, yeah, I've seen, we've seen all of that. Um, yeah, it's it's clearly like, like if you're performing a play or a musical if you walk on with the book or keep on having to stop to check where you are uh, <laughs> right, it doesn't are. it's not as uh, enjoyable as if you don't have to do that i mean because i think it distracts if you're trying to communicate with the room the whole time and you clearly and you're having to look at notes it's the same with any kind of speaking isn't it well the finest cabaret i think um is is, is cabaret where it, it looks almost so unprepared mm. in a mm. funny sort of way that and that may be because it has been supremely well prepared, mm. or it's been performed a lot. But that, that in a way that, that, that there's no there's no uh, props or a visual. I mean, I don't mean literally props, but no 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 aids uh, to mm. to kind of and where not only that, but where as an audience you feel that anything could happen, mm. uh, and indeed something could possibly even go wrong. Mm. You know, so what? If in fact. So often when it does, that's that's a highlight, isn't it? Is a bit that people remember the most. Uh, absolutely, and uh, if if someone is so perfect with everything that they're trying to do, and every every link feels like it's scripted to the to the hundredth degree, and every note is hit without you know any room for possible error, I personally start to sort of slightly switch off. Mm, it, it, yeah, of it, course. That doesn't mean you don't want something that's polished and put, well put together, but I I think there is a distinction. Because you look at, I, I, I make a big deal in the book about sincerity, and it's a, it's got to look like it's the first. You, you've got to look like you mean it. You've, it's got to look real. It's got to look like you're really interested in telling this story, and and also really interested in in sort of um, reacting to off what, the, audience, the audience, so that it really is a conversation. I, I liken it to if, if 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 I was at a party, if we met at a party, and I said, "Oh hi," and I uh, told you what I did, and then just started telling you anecdote after anecdote and just sort of blasting you with my uh, funny stories it would very quickly get very dull and and boring even if the stories were quite funny mm. it needs to be a two-way thing right it has to be a rapport that you build up and i think it's the same when you're working with a cabaret room do you think you can tell the difference between the shows which even the small shows which have been directed where there's been a director involved and those not definitely in fact i feel that with everything uh, <laughs> cabaret comedy uh and I, 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 I'm, I think that very often, I mean surprisingly often, these shows have been created sort of almost in isolation or maybe with, certainly, I mean, there must have been an MD involved in Cabaret up to a point, but that isn't always the same thing as having an outside owner director. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, I think it's crucially important, probably, certainly when you're creating something new, to have the input of a, of, of a director. Uh, it, it will just iron out the creases and and prevent self-indulgence that's something that can easily happen I think with with cabaret I mean there's a feeling sometimes that it's about look how brilliantly I can sing this song rather than let me tell you about the the story of this song Mm -hmm. and and why it matters to me Mm -hmm. and you know the, the best performers that I've witnessed in the studio are the ones that I'm just telling a story in the links, but they're telling a story through the song, mm. uh, and it, it, you know you completely forget that they are 
demonstrating a fantastic technique or fantastic storytelling because they are so involved in that story that that's mm. all you really see and experience. Mm. Part of your remit as artistic director is hiring the acts, deciding who's going to perform here and, and putting them in at the right time of the year, the right night and so on. Mm. Um, how, do, how do you do that? How do you find people? Do people find you? Are you deluged with stuff from people saying, please give us a night there? Or is it, are you having to go out and find them? Um, well, certainly at the beginning I had to, I think, go out and find people. And I, you know, it's a, I think, what did I work out the other day? I can't remember. We, we, we had something like uh, nearly 200 different shows in 10 months and, so you know, goodness knows how many performers on the stage. And to be honest, that is too much uh, for me alone to do. So I do work with, with other promoters and producers and I do, uh, I suppose, I have programmed or booked shows that I've not seen based on either um, uh, submitting a, a, a script or, or, a, or a synopsis or through reputation, word of mouth. And you take the risk. And presumably you'd rather... I mean, presumably in the early days you, you, you would try and see everything uh, before, before you book it, but in well, the end it just, there's too much, right? Yeah, it is too much. I mean, there's just too much. Um, and also there's the, the simple truth that because we are new and were certainly very new, I was kind of struggling to cut the umbilical cord from actually being here every night. You know, it's partly about me learning about the room and the acts and building those relationships. So so there's been a limit to what I could actually go and see anyway. Having said that, um, I'm seeing more now, and certainly as we are more better known, there are more and more people knocking on the door and, you know, who've either been here or heard about us and who want to perform here, which is great. I mean, that makes it... Would you prefer to hire acts through agents because it's just you know it means you only deal with you know half a dozen agents as opposed to 300 artists or are you happy for artists to approach you directly uh, I'm, I'm very happy for artists to approach directly and if they do that what's the you know if there's anybody listening to this and think well that sounds like a great place to perform I want to work there what should they do how should they contact you and, and, and what should they send you initially what's the what works best because I know that you're busy uh, what works best for you um, well, it's yeah. I mean, the uh, the one thing that has I have to completely surprise me about this job is just the sheer volume of emails, and it is genuinely impossible, unfortunately, to keep up with them. I just uh, you know, so I, the, so having said that, an email is it's the best it's the best way to start. <laughs> but keep your fingers crossed. To start the, well, but within that email, I guess uh, if, nowadays people have a lot of digital media, so if they have any kind of videos or SoundCloud things that that, that help give a sense of. Uh, you know what they what they can do and what they would want to do, uh, a, a vague, uh, well, no, as precise a synopsis of of the type of cabaret that they would want to do, is is useful. Certainly, um, an indication of where they've performed before, because that helps inform me a little bit about what, what type of cabaret it might be and where they see themselves in the kind of cabaret scene market, etc. I will say as well that a, 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 I have to say a very important factor, even though it may not be one that anyone really wants to hear, is that ultimately this is a, an unsubsidised theatre, mm. um, and it's also an extremely expensive theatre to run, mm. um, and therefore I want to book something that's brilliant, but I also want to book something that I have a, a strong sense will actually sell some tickets, um, and that that you know. I can't tell you how many times I've heard. Uh, well, how many? How many seats? A hundred? Oh, that's that's easy. Well, if I can't get a hundred people, then I'm, uh, well, 
you know, even great people sometimes struggle to get a hundred people. Mm. Depends how many times they've done the show. Depends, you know, what day of the week it is. There's so many factors. So one cannot take it for granted in any way that selling a hundred seats is easy. But it's entirely doable, and happily we're doing it more often than we're not now for Cabaret in particular. So, you know, and I, I suppose one would like to get a sense that whoever's approaching the theatre does understand a little bit about the business side of it. Um, and is prepared to, you know, do their bit to, to help bring back. I mean, when I things. first started working at Peter on the Park, the first time they used to have Sundays there, which were oh, they wouldn't they wouldn't pay you a fee. It was uh, you would take the door. I think you would pay for the sound guy, and then you got all of the door or most mm. of the door. Um, so of course you're very incentivized to to you know bring your friends and family along. And I think a lot of artists, most artists, can do that once or twice a year, even if they're very inexperienced and they're, they haven't really got much of a name for themselves because they can go mad on Facebook and rally the troops and say, got to come and support me and badger everybody they know and people go, oh, well, we better go and support this guy. And so they go along, but you really can't do that very often, can you? And, and at the end of the day, there comes a point, I was very aware of a point in my career and I just thought, I, I, I can't rely on my friends anymore. I can't, this is, you know, this is the fourth time this year, I can't say, can you come to this show? It's embarrassing. And I thought, I've got to start relying on an actual following of people that I don't know that want to come and see my stuff. A lot of really good points there. I mean, the title or the, the theme or the idea for the cabaret, you know, is really important. And it is also true that uh, a really good title uh, with an unknown performer can sell out. I mean, no question. And conversely, a slightly obscure title, but with the same performer, uh, or, or one that's even slightly better known, may not sell out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's it's so having a sense of that is 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 important. And as you say, the deal. I mean, well, obviously, the favourite deal is that um, yeah, uh, the venue pays a, a, a stonking great guarantee and everyone's happy. But um, unfortunately, that isn't for certain types of venue, and we're included in that. Normally, the reality. Um, you know, it has to be a collaboration, and at the end of the day, both sides have to feel that their efforts were were you know were justified do you think anyone can make money out of cabaret i i absolutely do um you tell me how i've been trying for 20 years <laughs> well like any sort of small scale show the ability to make money i suppose will be a function of how many places you can perform it in with how many seats and how many seats you sell mm. um it's harder, I think, in this country to make money from cabaret than my understanding of, of how it works in the US. Um, and people in this country are that whole kind of let's go out for an evening and enjoy some entertainment, let alone cabaret in this country, is not as evolved and generally uh, part of everyday life as it is in somewhere like New York. So, so there, yeah, there are definitely some challenges to start with. But, I mean, I can think of several cabarets that we've had here that have then toured various parts of the country uh, to various venues of anything from 50 to 200 seats and where, um, because the scale is, is relatively manageable, it is possible to, you know, make some money. I don't know how possible it is to get rich mm. quick. I mean, it is also true that there are there are acts that have come here and based on the deal we've done and the ticket price, they, you know, they've walked away with a £1,000 or more, which for a £1,000 for one night's work, mm. you know, isn't terrible um, but it's also true that you know there is a ceiling there's clearly a ceiling as to what you can really earn um, with with this type of uh, entertainment and, and the scale of venues that it tends to happen you have to find other places to work don't you because I know in London for most, I mean everybody's got a limit for me I always think two single weeks you know one in the spring one in the 
autumn is is the, about the most that I can do for the the following that I have here. Any more than that, I'm just going to dilute the audience, and it's not you know I'm going to spoil it for myself. So that's that's another 50 weeks of the year I need to keep myself busy elsewhere. Yeah, but my knowledge of what you do for those 50 weeks of the year is that you take those skills and portions of those shows, and generally you're you're however many years of experience, and you earn a living by by peddling that in various parts of the world. Uh, I like that word, peddling. That's it, uh, <laughs> well, a a peddling turn, that's what I am. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That's what, that's what or, or indeed, you know, by being paid lucratively for, for appearances wherever it might be. So the, the, the show that you, um, in a way, create as a cabaret show to perform in cabaret venues in central London is up to a point it's a shop window. You know, it's a shop window for what you can then take elsewhere and and and, and do many more things with. Versatility is, is a key thing. Uh, the shows that I do in London are quite different to the shows that I do on cruise ships where my bread and butter is on cruise ships. It's still cabaret on the ships and the elements are still the same. And of course, I'm still the, it's still my personality. A lot of the links are the same. But the content is, is really quite significantly different because the audiences are quite different and if I just said well this is what I do and that's all I do either with my cruise ship show it wouldn't work in a venue like yours it'd be mm -hmm. awful and exactly the same with the show that I might do here if I took it on a cruise ship I think it would die it just wouldn't work very well um, so you have to be I think very adaptable um, and uh, and try and and try and um, do whatever you can to get a little piece of you know lots of bits of work that's out there, you know, be, uh, really diversify. And, and that's that's true for cabaret performers, it's true for comedians, it's true for actors, you know, diversity and, and versatility, triple threat, etc. I mean, all of that can only be to someone's advantage. So to give somebody an idea, listening to the kind of shows that you're talking about, we're saying that the shows need, need to have a, a nice title, and maybe some nice artwork, uh, um, they've got to not be too expensive. Um, the performers needs to have a nice show reel, a nice YouTube clip or some SoundCloud clip or audio clips or something that they it can helps. send you. Yeah, yes, uh, all of that's definitely useful. Uh, YouTube is is helpful. I mean, it rarely does a does a show look its best on a YouTube clip, but at least it gives you a sense of of, uh, of what's on offer. I was looking in your program at what's uh, coming up here. Uh, I saw Joe Stilgo's coming with a show which has got great artwork and, and a snappy title. A hundred years of Hollywood and it sold out quite quickly. Very quickly. I mean, I think Joe, you know, again, is somebody who clearly can uh, talk about versatility. He could appear in any kind of cabaret night or jazz band or mm. comedy night. Indeed, mm -hmm. he was on uh, uh, The Now Show on Friday mm. uh, on Radio 4. Uh, he's somebody who uh, I'm sure has the respect of the most you know, ardent jazz musicians, but equally um, can turn his hand to something that is uh, unashamedly commercial, but no less quality for that. It's funny how he, I know Joe. He's the, the nicest yes. uh, guy. As a super talented, the nicest guy. Uh, somebody else who comes to mind is Alison Jaya, who is equally uh, just nice and and a stunning uh, a talent. Yeah, I mean, again, Alison, we've now had here five times, and I'd have her here every month for sure if if that were viable. Um, she truly, I think, is the full package if we're talking about cabaret. Um, you know, she has obviously had a successful musical theatre career, but by no means are her cabaret nights uh, dwelling on that. Indeed, I think she's barely even done a single song that she's done from her musical theatre career when she's on a cabaret here. She instantly, in the moment she walks on the stage, um, uh, completely wins over the audience with just kind of naked charm and wit. 
uh, and uh, everyone, even if, I mean, a proportion of the room will know her and will come every time and possibly even her friends, but everyone will be in no doubt very quickly that they are kind of special that night because they're the ones that have come to see her show. Um, then her, her uh, well, her, her, abil her singing ability is it's, uh, sort of unrivaled almost. It's extraordinary. She can sing everything. Uh, fantastically well, but she does also do that thing which I was talking about earlier, which is that it's not at no point you watch Alison and think there's a singer who's showing us how well she can sing. Yes, you you watch her live that song completely, and indeed on a on, on one of her nights there will be portions of the evening where the audience are all falling about with uncontrollable laughter and then later on where a significant proportion of the audience will be in floods of tears. And not because you felt like you've been manipulated, but just because of the sheer honesty uh, of what she does. Seems to be, with those two people, it seems something of a common thread, doesn't it? With Because off stage, they're, they're very charming, very nice people, and, and it seems that on stage that, that those qualities are just amplified. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so. If you're a horrible person, don't go into <laughs> to choose another <laughs> career. I think that's a good way to end. And if you're a nice person and enormously talented as well, we should contact you uh, at the St. James Theatre and, and find ourselves working in this marvellous studio. I'd love to hear from you all. Thank you for listening to this Cabaret Secrets podcast. If you've got any comments or questions, please visit cabaretsecrets.com where you'll also find details of the Cabaret Secrets book, an indispensable guide on how to create your own show, travel the world, and get paid to do what you love.